Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. Here we are live in the AEA studios. It is Monday, November 22nd. November 22nd. Episode number 59. Oh. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And then I'm Mike McKenna, and oddly enough, it's the 58th anniversary of John Kennedy being assassinated mm. in Dallas. Both you and I have been up in, in um, we did, the book we depository. Did the depository. What were we in Dallas for? I can't we remember. We were actually on our way over to New Mexico. Remember that was a bus tour? Yes. And yeah, we and did I a little and, side jag. Well, I, if you remember, I drove all the way to Arlington or someplace, yeah. and I'm like, you know what? When's the next time well, I'm going to be in Dallas? Around. Turn around right. and back to Dallas. And you know the best thing is? We still beat the bus in. Yeah, yeah. We still beat the bus in. And what was your take on Dealey Plaza on the book depository? What was my take? Yeah, what was your take on it? What did you think? I thought it was like fascinating. I thought it was a fascinating I thought the same thing. Everybody who's ever been in that book depository up on the fifth floor, sixth floor, whatever, you're like, there's no way there was one guy. No way. Anybody who's ever been in in that spot, you're just like, there is literally no way. And on top of that, if you think about it. So were you over... Were you over there last? What was it? Last week with some of the? Wasn't there like? Oh, was a, there? Uh, was there a get together? Yeah, I think oh, brother. Was, John F. Kennedy was coming back. I oh, thought, brother. Like no, that, but so. I mean, you think about it. So this guy was a highly trained sniper, right? By the Marine, the United States Marine Corps, which takes this stuff very seriously. It a single him as the single shooter asks you to assume he's coming toward the 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 um, caravan is coming towards you towards you towards you towards you towards you, and then takes a left and goes away from you away from you away from you, and he waits until it gets like way far away from him to fire instead of firing the nice clean three shots when he could have done it was coming towards him. It makes no sense, and I didn't realize that until so I was standing in that room. I was spot. like, yeah. this is crazy. I'm glad we turned around. I honestly around. don't remember how I felt about that particular aspect of it, but I did thought, think it was really important to visit. Yeah, so. you and my kid both thought I was crazy for turning the car around after 30 yeah. miles. You're like, we're 30 miles back. I'm like, eh, it's Texas. Who's going to know? Yeah, we'll just we'll just haul butt in our internal combustion engine. But, of course, gas prices weren't nearly as high back then, right? Yeah, man. it was That was, that was a great trip. Was All a- right, so um, let's get into it. Uh, speaking of... Notice my little segue there. Uh, let's hear from the the lovely and talented Circleback. In consideration to reversing some of the policies um, that led to this, maybe reconsidering the Keystone Pipeline as uh, the Prime Minister of Canada this year. Well, I think the problem with that argument is that the Keystone Pipeline uh, isn't even really functioning. I mean, it was only partially built. It isn't even really functioning. So suggesting that uh, changing that would lower the price of gas. I don't know that that makes substantive sense. What the market looks out, and they, they look at, at where it will be in the future, and canceling the Keystone Pipeline, not allowing other pipelines to go forward, or challenging other pipelines might reduce or, or cause some concern in the market. Well, we look at every pipeline on an individual basis. The president made the decision when only about, I think, 8% of the pipeline had been built not to move forward as we looked at the environmental impacts and weighed them with the economic impacts. Um, and the decision was certainly made. So uh, there's a range of options on the table. I unfortunately don't have anything more to preview for you today, but certainly lowering the cost, the cost of gasoline, something that people around the world, as you know, are experiencing, not just here in the United States, is of utmost concern and a priority to the president. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, the decision was made. There you go. That's the decision it. decision was made before the 
the prices went up and contributed to the decision being made. Let's uh, let's preview the release from the SPR, right? They're going to release 35, 40 million barrels, something like that, um, in concert with the Chinese. And I think the Indians, I think Japan told them no. Um, it's going to have an effect of about 10 cents of a gallon, right? Um for those of you keeping score, it would be a almost twice as big effect if they did a federal gas tax holiday, right? Which federal gas tax now sit at eighteen point four cents. So, um, probably we're, we're going to talk about a, a gas tax holiday at, uh, at a little bit later in the show. A little bit later date. Okay, well, I'll take that. Anyway, it it. But here, here's what else the the release uh, will or or may prompt. This is from Bloomberg Markets. OPEC Plus may reassess oil output increases. This was from this morning. The RIDA-based International Energy Forum said OPEC Plus may change its plan for raising oil output if consuming nations sell petroleum reserves or the coronavirus pandemic worsens. I anticipate OPEC Plus energy ministers will maintain their current plan of adding more supplies. That's the 400,000 extra barrels a day. Yeah. Um, however, certain unforeseen external factors such as release of strategic reserves or new lockdowns in Europe may prompt a reassessment of market conditions. Yeah, I tend to doubt so, that. So, you know, Biden, you know, thinks he's going to bigfoot OPEC with a small little wimpy $32 million, $32 mil- billion million barrel, barrel release yeah. from, from the SPR. Yeah, some, I was going to say some, some um, perspective is probably in order, right? $100 million barrels. Um, that's about what the world uses in a day. Again, I think we said this last week, and I'm saying it again. Um, it's it's a day. It's like if we all just took a holiday from driving. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So it's Biden. Not a joke. Think about it. It's not a joke. No, think about it. Joke. It's not a joke. I did think about it, Mr. President, and I concluded it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if that's the case... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having fun with clips today. That is hilarious. Thank you, Secretary Granholm, Giggles, whatever. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, uh, we'll see what happens here. But um, there's another uh, there's another theory floating around as to why gas prices are so high. I'm going to uh, play a clip from one of our, our esteemed senators from the state. Wait, of wait, 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 wait. Let me let me get ahead of it. I'm going to bet it's greed and thievery on it's the part canned. of oil companies. You, it's war profiteering. Did, you, did I tell you already? Yeah, just hold a, just on, a hold shot on. of dark. We know exactly who the oil companies, what the oil companies pay attention to, what is their number one priority, profits. And so think about it this way. If we really, this were just ordinary inflation, we might see prices go up. But prices at the pump have gone up. Why? Well, let me let me give you a hint. Uh, Chevron, Exxon have doubled their profits. This isn't about inflation. This is about price gouging for these guys. So I, I get it. Uh, when we see prices go up, we're all concerned and the Republicans want to come in and just try to hammer on one theme about this economy. But we got to pay attention to the fact that folks like the oil companies say, 
I think it's just another opportunity to make profits, and we need to call them out on that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the, the most famous former oil industry lobbyist in the United States Senate, Elizabeth Warren. She, I, I put this in the pipe this morning, and I could not help it, but I just... She's the best. Lying liars and the lies she's they the tell. She's the best. I Shut mean, up, man. It's in, it, it's Tom, I'm telling you. She's a liar. Thanksgiving okay? is coming. I she's a Native that. American. She's a liar. She's a Native American. I'm going to invite her over to my house for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> to recreate the original Heck Thanksgiving. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well done, sir. Well, here at AEA, we, we are not putting up with this. Okay. It, what are we doing? We sent a letter this morning to the Honorable <laughs> Chairman Lena Kahn of the Federal Trade Commission. And I quote, I am writing to call your attention to mounting evidence of anti-consumer behavior by President Biden and his administration. The bottom line is this. Gasoline prices at the pump remain high, even though the United States is the world's largest producer in oil production and could be producing more. The FTC has the authority to consider whether illegal conduct is costing families at the pump I believe you should investigate immediately. To borrow from my good friend, Secretary Granholm, that is hilarious. <laughs> and you know what? I'm looking forward to the response. I am too. Just, I, you know, uh, Chairman Khan, played by Ricardo Montalban in um, The Wrath of Khan. Um, Chairman Khan is like, she should respond to you, right? Yeah, so, th- of course, this is... Because in response to the fact that last week oh, President Biden sent his obligatory letter, we chatted about this briefly, but which um, is all which is all that it deserved. There have been fifty such requests. Fifty for the five FTC. zero. Yes, fifty. Oh, good. I got asked that question today, and FTC I didn't know the answer. To investigate oil companies for price gouging, as Elizabeth Warren so over the last hundred years, that's like one every twenty-four yeah. months. For goodness' sake. So. Um, have they come up with anything so far? Uh, in no instance did the FTC <laughs> find any type of. I wonder if they're going to find anything in yours. That President Biden is alleging. So I, I would hope so because there's plenty of evidence that he has engaged in anti-consumer behavior since. Uh, there's nothing since else he presidency. signed the infrastructure bill into law. That alone is anti-consumer behavior. So uh, just, just in case anybody is unclear or or thinks maybe Joe Biden may have changed his his tune on on oil and gas issues. Joe Biden fifth, nearly 50 years ago was one of five United States senators to vote against the Trans-Alaska pipeline in 1973. Is there anything this guy has been he wrong was on? A senator in 1973. Seriously, is there Anything this guy hasn't been wrong on over the course so, of his career. So full circle, as as circle back indicated, Keystone's decision's been made. So his first act, yeah, man, as president was to kill a pipeline. One of his first votes as senator was against the creation of a pipeline. Does it make you wonder how dumb the people from Delaware are? I mean, how could you keep sending this guy back? Ah, he's from Scranton. I thought, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, I look forward to the response to our our request for an investigation, and I, I hope they do it post-haste because American consumers cannot wait any longer. And in fact, one governor has already taken action. This is from the Washington Examiner. Uh-huh. 
DeSantis calls for over $1 billion in gas tax relief. Ta-da! R- Governor Ron DeSantis today said he's proposing a $1 billion tax relief to help lower gas prices in Florida. DeSantis spoke at a news conference in Daytona where he said the state legislature is looking to remove the 26 and a half cent state gas tax, by the way. Uh, That's a uh, lot. It is very. It is a it's lot. A lot. Um, I mean, the highest is uh, California, like fifty-three cents or something like that. Um, so that's a lot. Twenty-six is a lot. Yeah, but do you want to know? <laughs> do you want to know what he's doing to offset the the loss in revenue? Um, he tell me. He's using the the, the, the American Biden rescue plan from the rescue plan. <laughs> uh, why not? Because the courts sure, ruled that you can use it now. It's well, unconstitutional to say you can't use it yeah, yeah, to cut not? taxes. Why not? So once again, the troll it continues, but but in in almost every instance, it's a dual benefit because not only is it a troll, but it is actually helping Floridians, people, yeah. and it is uh, likely to lead to him having a a substantially easier time getting reelected as the governor. Oh, next you know, year. yeah. Look, the guy running his campaign is a guy named Phil Cox, right? Who um probably the single best political operator we have, other than Henry Barber. Um, it 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 um it's genius right he just and the guy himself just never misses an opportunity to just to stick the stick the knife in this guy you mean kind of like this next florida governor ron DeSantis signs four bills prohibiting vaccine mandates during a news conference in brandon florida <laughs> <laughs> so when that broke i we forgot to cover this last week but when that broke i could not like I, I just it was brilliant. And then what I noticed was the sort of the troll community was like, oh, he doesn't even know. He's like, he's so dumb, doesn't even realize that that Biden won that county. Right? Like yeah. no. <laughs> you guys sure you're playing the same game we're playing? I'm not quite sure that he didn't realize. Totally got all of it. He totally got all of it. He, it yeah. It's 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 going to be a fun, 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 fun campaign. Yeah, I wonder what the um, I wonder what the the dynamic is going to be there because now the the resident from Mar-a-Lago is starting to make noise about him needing a public declaration. A fealty? Yeah, he ain't getting that. Yeah, I, I hope not. He ain't I getting think that. That's necessary. This, well, I, I tell you what's going to happen right now. All the Republican governors are going to turn right around and start um, cutting their gas taxes using American Rescue Plan funds. And I probably should give a shout out to Pat Morrissey, right? Patrick Morrissey is the attorney general up in West Virginia, yeah. right? Um, this lawsuit um, on the American Rescue Plan, he was the first guy in the water on that one. So um, so good for him. Good for yeah, Pat. Absolutely. Good for Pat. Good for Governor DeSantis. It's, it's, it's fun when stuff like this happens, right? <laughs> yes, it is. It's hilarious. All right. This is not hilarious. It's no joke. Um, I want to play this clip and then I want you to talk about this because you're uh, kind of the lead dog on uh, this. And okay. I'm, I'm springing this on you. So, not sight unseen. This is going to be about the bills, is it? The man dubbed the QAnon shaman has been sentenced to 41 months in prison for his role in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Jacob Chansley, whose fur hat, bare chest, and face paint made him one of the more visible participants in the violent assault, is not actually accused of violence himself. For prosecutors contend in many ways he was the public face of the Capitol riot. 
Chansley also ignored police orders to leave the building and gloated over his actions following the attack. He told the court he was wrong to enter the building and accepted responsibility for his actions. Yeah. Um, 41 months is what the Justice Department recommended, right? Was a sentencing recommendation. Yeah. He's the only guy who's gotten the full recommendation, right? Every every other time, judges have been like, the judge has been like, no, I'm going to cut you in half or do something like that. Um, part of the problem was the allocution, right? He basically got up there and said, yeah, I was totally wrong and I shouldn't have done it and blah, 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 blah. Cut him no slack at all, right? Now, I'm under the impression that he's got himself a new lawyer. I don't know what this person's going to do because this damage has been done. Um, truth of the matter is he served 10 months on 41 months. He's got himself probably another six or eight to go before he's eligible for a release, right? Um, so, um, but again, they elided, they, they, they mentioned that he wasn't, you know, um, convicted of anything violent. He was, in fact, con convicted of what everyone else has been convicted of, um, obstructing a, uh, obstructed a, a, a public, an official meeting, right? Um, and that's... Um, that's the top end charge we have so far, 41 months. Um, and, and my guess is on some kind of appeal, it's going to get modified a little bit. If he does, really does have a new lawyer. Yeah. So, and we are now, we now got, we now get six guys with gun charges, right? Not gun charges that they brought guns into the Capitol or armed assault, but that they brought guns onto Capitol grounds. So when we get to those six, we'll probably have chart, we'll have, probably have recommendations recommended sentences that look more like five years instead of um, three and a half. Still waiting on our first insurrection, treason, conspiracy to commit treason, any of that stuff. Not there. Not yeah. There. Well, you know, juxtapose that with the, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it briefly because it's just a terrible situation all around, but uh, the Rittenhouse verdict and the, the, the oh, grotesque slander that took place afterwards from people like the judiciary committee chairman, Jerry, Jerry Nadler. And like, uh, what is going on when like, well, these guys are, yeah. I mean, this guy, this kid was already like, you know, kind of torn up. Right. And then you turn it into this whole, you know, you throw it into the whole narrative, like, uh, like trial by jury, Competent, you know, uh, I, you know. I've said this a hundred times, probably going to say it a hundred more times. The, the judicial processes in this country are the best on the planet. They come to a relatively quick understanding of what the facts are and apply the law and give it to juries. And, you know, you think about the Rittenhouse thing. Uh, it was a pretty – if you take all the blood out of it, it was a pretty standard trial. Did it meet with the requirements of self-defense? Did he cross state lines with a gun? Did he commit any other ancillary crimes? Jury had it for two days and bounced it, right? Bounced all of it, right, right. unanimously. So they didn't come back with a mixed message, right? The truth of the matter is is that um, – uh, when one of the when one of the guys who had who had uh, Grosskreutz who had who had um, pursued uh, Rittenhouse uh, admitted that he had pointed a loaded gun at him. Okay, oh the, yeah, yeah. The defense probably should have um, asked for a directed verdict right yeah. there. Right, just just cut right and say, right, "Hey, right your right honor, your box. honor, come on. This is this is this this yeah, is the a, rest of this is just this conversation." Clear what yeah. concerns me is is the number of people. Not so much who have opinions about it, because everybody in America has opinions until they actually sit on a jury or sit in a courtroom or know something. What concerns me is guys like um, 
members of Congress who, for the most part, are lawyers who should know better than to flap their mouths, right? That's no, that's exactly. It was it, not. It it, any, it 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 was down the line. I yeah, mean, it including was. the vice president. It it well, you know, she's a former prosecutor herself. Um, she probably knows the truth of it, right? Um, the thing that strikes me odd, right, is that most of the people, not odd, the thing that's unfortunate is most of the people doing most of the talking obviously paid no attention to all the trial. No, it didn't Because they were repeating. they didn't pay attention to the facts before the trial. <laughs> well, they were repeating. The same narrative went, oh, like, ad nauseum, I got a clip of, of, I don't know, five minutes worth of reporter after reporter after crossing state lines. He was a, he was like a mile, uh, like, a mile. We lived a mile over matter. the over the. That's not over how. That's line. not how the gun got into. It, that's not how the gun got into Wisconsin. He didn't his carry it into Wisconsin. Lived it. His, his family lives there. It. it his, they weren't even African American suspects. God rest their souls. This is a terrible thing all the way around. And the way well, that they. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I put some different perspective yeah, of on course. this? Okay. So the two people who were shot to death. One of them had been. Convicted now, not accused, convicted five times of um, child rape, right? And the other guy who had been convicted again, not charged, convicted of beating women twice. Now, I'm not saying that they should have been summarily executed, but I'm not sure the world's a worse place because they're not here. So everyone's like, oh, it's a terrible thing. I'm like, I'm not sure it's a terrible thing when the justice, when, when justice, is clear and relatively swift and understandable to anybody who chooses to understand it. Yeah, but I also I think that these folks are undermining the the whole process intentionally, intentionally, intentionally. exactly by you know creating this this whole this whole fabrication around this case. There's a there's a general sense, not a general sense. I don't want to say that there there is a there is a sense among some people on the left that. Um, that America is a is a legitimately lawless society, and you and I were talking about this before the show. If you really believe that, this is a serious thing, right? If you really believe that, you should probably arm yourselves, because um, if the law does not constrain the most powerful among us, and the most powerful among us are rich white people, mostly males, if the law does not in fact constrain them, if you don't believe that it constrains them, there's not a thing in the world um, keeping rich white people from walking through your neighborhood shooting whoever they want. Now, of course, that's nonsense. America's not lawless. But if you really believe it's lawless, then you probably want to act differently um, and be very, very careful. Um, to yeah. my mind, to my mind, the Rittenhouse thing and the, the Rittenhouse thing and the January 6th things are very, very similar. The justice system is doing what it does and it's doing it very, very well. It is. It, it's just extraordinary under very difficult circumstances, and all these people who think, "Oh, America's lawless," I'm like, "You are not looking at what's going on here. This is a, this whole thing has been a triumph of jurisprudence. If I was a lawyer, if I was a judge, if I was a police officer, I would feel very proud of the process right now, because it is. It is giving people justice, right? Well care, well calibrated, timely justice, and and that's. It's the only thing you can get, right? Yeah, I think that the um, the there's a, a clip that a buddy of mine sent over. Uh, apparently, some rich guy uh, uh, is part of a, a takeover of 
Professor Warner Media and Discovery are merging, mm -hmm. and the the the, the conversation or the discussion was around um, what he thinks ought to be done with CNN. This is uh, John Malone. I want to play the, the clip really quick. Sure. I would like to see CNN evolve back to the kind of journalism that it started with and, uh, you know, actually have journalists, which would be unique and refreshing. I think uh, a coward's way out would be to sell it. <laughs> or spin it off and then sell it. Do it. I have Wise to, advice. I, you know, this is hard to remember, right? You and I are old enough to remember, but not too many other people are old enough to remember. When CNN first came on the scene, it was badass. It was a it was a, a thunderclap in the night, right? It was, it was kind of like when I was sitting around. We were sitting around the fraternity house. Drinking beers and watching the Iraq War yeah, is basically what I, CNN I mean, was for us. CNN was was right? for about six, seven, eight years set the standard of for this stuff. They were it, right? Everybody was just like they're gold, right? And then, I mean, you watch it now, and I have, I force myself to watch it once a month. I sit and watch it for an hour. It is, I, it's terrible. It's very difficult. It's impossible. Yeah. It's not even there's. There's not even news followed by commentary. It's just, hey, here's some commentary. It it's tragic, and I agree with that guy, right? You really want to do something different? Get Clean yourself some, get yourself some reporters. Clean it up, yeah, man. Someone, somebody who's uh, get rid of your contributors who returns to reporting. Now, there's always a sure man. There's always an element of laziness mm -hmm. in in all of this, right? But doing doing a concerted effort to put some level of sophisticated journalism reporting into a platform a major platform would probably not like do well in the short run but i think it would begin to to yeah. show yeah it, it, let's i think it, it would way. begin to show what it can be like again someday and let's put it this way if you're cnn you have no it, in a way this guy was talking the business case right because if you're cnn eventually all your viewers are going to wind up on msnbc and you're going to be sitting out there with nothing and they're all like they had a night where none of their shows yeah even popped yeah i mean you, on the, you're going to wind up with the fox so. guys doing what they do msnbc yeah. doing it doing what it does and you're going to be left out with nobody. Especially since they're the sort of anti-Trump. You know, we when we were doing the Florida recount, yeah, man. we had uh, TVs and monitors in the in the judge. It was they, they converted the lunch area into camps for the Republicans and Democrats. And every <laughs> other day, we had uh, CNN and then Fox. So we had our Fox day. We had a CNN day. Even back then, we were calling it the Clinton News Network. Yeah. Right. Which, which, so which now is, it's like the which is know, ridiculous. The Never Trumper now was actually pretty good, Dan. So yeah. Anyhow, uh, Quinnipiac, 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 Most prefer Republicans to win control of the House and Senate. Sixty-eight percent say higher prices are changing spending habits. Uh, Americans say 46, 38 that they would like to see the Republican Party win control of the House with 16 not offering an opinion. And the uh, independents break 41, 31 for control of the House. 46, 40 for the Senate uh, would like to see the Republicans win control of the Senate. These are registered voters. Yeah. Not not likely voters, but registered voters. So as mm -hmm. you mentioned, uh, 
you know, add a couple of points to that. So that's consistent with the 10 points. That's about right. From that's the about other right. On the other so. hand, we're, we're a little bit early for this thing. I'm kind of concerned about this for, for a couple of reasons. One is, um, there's a lot of triumphalism among Republicans. I wrote this in a column and I, you know, got in the Washington Times. And I got chipped at it for a bunch of people. Um, there's a bunch of triumphalism like, hey, we're going to win. Great. You're going to win. And what are you going to do with it? Right. There's no clear sense of what they're going to do with it. So that's thing one. Right. Um, the other thing that I that I, I'm willing to bet is going to happen is that all of the all of the um, do nothing. The do-nothing caucus among the Republicans is going to be strengthened by these numbers, right? Their attitude is going to be, don't do anything, don't make any mistakes, play prevent defense, and we will wind up in control of the world, right? And that's spectacular, except nobody, and I mean nobody in the Republican Party anymore, is paying these guys to do nothing. There's a reason why, even at this late date, a majority of the Republicans want Donald Trump to be their nominee, right? It's because they fear the do-nothing Republicans, right? They still are afraid of the do-nothing Republicans. And if you think about it, you think about the 32 who voted for infrastructure, you think about rolling over on the debt ceiling, you think about what we're about to see, which is another rollover on the debt ceiling, That's those are all reasonable fears. So... I'm getting the feeling that we're going to have a moment of some reckoning here in the party. Um, what are you going to do with all those great numbers? And there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to be like, what do you mean? We're going to get elected and go, go to, we're going to do all kinds of great. We're things. Going to, it's going to be amazing. We're going to go, we're going to get elected. We're going to go to parties. Our lobbyists are going to get big bucks again, and we're going to make a bunch of money from donations. And that's that, right? Isn't that the game? And I would say probably about three quarters of Republican voters you know, Trump radicalized them. He, yeah. he found a bunch radicalized and he radicalized the rest of them. Well, you think about it like this, too. When Biden, I'm sorry, when McConnell you know, made the case, you know, vote for us and we will restore order to the Senate and we will, we will, you know, take care of, you know, basically he sold the, the base of Bill of Goods, yeah. right? Didn't last very long. Yeah. People have short memories, but they don't like, to get burned too often. No, right? I, I, you know, George Bush said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, won't get fooled again. Yeah, well, so. he's, he's whatever. Um, <laughs> the, the, so, uh, the, the, there's right. going to be, we're going to spend the next 12 months um, with a lot of people looking under the hood and asking a lot of these Republicans, what exactly and, and have maybe, you done here? And maybe they'll have, maybe they'll have an alternative or two that they'll consider. For example, this really comes down to the reality, Will, that the American people are facing some incredibly serious challenges. And really what we need right now are competent and caring leaders who put the interests of the people and our country above all else. Uh, but that's not what we have. This is, this is a bigger problem than Democrats or Republicans. This is about the establishment elite trying to hold on to their power and continue to increase it. And the mainstream media is a powerful arm of that establishment elite. And it comes down to this. You're either with them, agreeing with them, supporting them, carrying the water for them, or you're not. You're either part of their team or you're not. And if you're not, and this is what we're seeing happening now, it's what I've experienced, then they will target you, censor you, uh, demonize you, and call you a domestic terrorist and sick the attorney general on you, seeing you as a yeah. threat to their power and therefore the enemy. 
Yeah. Another so, another craze. Testing the water a little bit there. Another craze. You can condense that statement a little, but that sounds like a mission statement. Another crazed Republican. Um, that's a that's a that's a I'm running for president statement. Here's here's my big here's my big theory of the case. Um, and truthfully, done better than anybody I've heard do it, including including the boss, right? Um, Democrat. Um, Democrat Tulsi Gabbard, right? Uh, I mean, she's she's going to run. She's saying a lot of good, a lot she's, of the right things. She's uh, going to run. She's, and, she's been, a, I think, this is my theory with DeSantis. Is that governor race that he ran? Yeah. Radicalized him? Sure. How could it not? Her, the way they've treated oh, her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same deal. Oh, like, yeah. Toughen them. I don't, I'm done with this. this yeah, yeah. I, I agree with both of that, yeah. You listen to those words. It sounds um, a whole lot like someone else's stump speech. It right? does. A little it, bit it, more it, polished, a little longer. Needs to be trunc truncated a little bit. But yeah, that's a, it, that's that to me says okay. I'm available here, folks. Yeah, cool, she's cool. she's she's running. I don't know how. I don't know independent right, Democrat right, Republican. Right. I have no idea. But she's running. Um, that's a huge problem for a bunch of Republicans, right? Because she she has the potential to just cut away all the Trump guys. Um, and, you know, thing is, um, she right as rain on a bunch of issues. She right as rain on a bunch of issues. Not on all of them, but, you know, I'm willing to you know what? I'm willing to entertain it. Let's put it that you way. You know what? I'm willing to entertain I it. I guarantee so. she's, she's, she's the only one who can talk about, like, fiscal sanity, any of this stuff with these guys. I mean, who sat in the United States Congress. A lot of these guys voted for all this crap. Excuse me. All this increased spending. President of the United States. Our guy signed a bunch of it. Signed a bunch of it into law, so you know she's going to be one tough out when she gets going, and she's definitely going to go. Okay, um, I'm I'm so excited. This is going to be such a great <laughs> campaign, man. I mean, you know what? The truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is that I don't know which of these campaigns is going to be um, the last one I'm going to get a chance to work on. Right, one of them for sure. Right, and. And I was super worried. Wait, you're gonna live forever. <laughs> I was super. Joe worried. Joe Biden's in perfect health. He's 79. Thanks. So I was super worried. I, you know, we were heading towards some 2012 campaign where I was gonna have to work for some terrible person. Yeah, I don't. I think those you know, days are behind. I us. hope so too. I hope so too. But I am just so excited about all of these guys. Any one of these people could be could be our nominee, and I'd be just excited. Well, let's about it. let's define any one of these people. So who's in your I could vote for that guy, Camp. I can't. I can't think of anybody. I got Pompeo. I can't think of anybody I wouldn't vote for. Okay. Uh, I mean, Pompeo, DeSantis, I got Greg DeSantis, Abbott, Abbott, Rick Scott, Rubio, Rubio too. I'm I could a vote for Rubio. I could vote for Rubio. He's a good feels, guy. I think he's gotten a lot. Uh, he, I think he learned a lot. I was going to say he's from been the tough last go around, but enough. he was kind of a uh, an empty suit. I could work for race, but I don't think he's going to be that this time, right? I could vote for Gabbard, no question, no question. I could vote for her. Um, I would, uh, I would, you know, it, it, it. What about Chris Christie? I saw him at lunch today. Yeah, I could vote for Chris Christie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his team kind of concerns me, but he himself, I was impressed with him on the transition. I really was, and I wasn't expecting to be for the, right for the. I wasn't quite around for the three or four months. I he wasn't was around it. during. You know, they they made the they made the changeover when yeah, for the when three or four I joined months. The and you know the thing about Christie is, 
he's one of the few guys who go toe to toe with he the does, boss. He right? doesn't. Yeah, he's he, not afraid of he's it. He's just like, yeah, yeah whatever. But he also. Of course, I will. Rep- I will point out one thing about the. He week during his CNN interview. I will point out one thing about the former governor of New Jersey, and that is his first legit job in in politics was he got appointed United States Attorney by Bush. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not a disqualifier, but it doesn't make me feel better about the world either. Anyway, I'm tremendously excited about this campaign. In case you can't tell. I can tell, my friend. Um, I want to play one clip from Special K, John Kerry. <laughs> Heck yeah! Because <laughs> he's he's bragging about how like um, how confident he is that COP twenty six is just has just been the the, the turning the greatest point, thing the ever. Greatest yeah, thing yeah, ever. Come on, had a little jag in the Wall Street Journal today. So just just a little display of his confidence. The Arab countries have made clear that they will not make peace with Israel without resolving the (laughs) Israeli-Palestinian conflict. That's not where their loyalties lie. That's not where their politics are. Let me tell you, uh, let me tell you a few things that I've learned for sure in the last few years. There will be no separate peace (laughs) between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that very clear to all of you. Very clear. I've heard... Several okay. prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, "I've I've played this in the past, so I won't play the whole thing." The reason I brought it up this time, I wanted to make that is, very clear: Israel, Jordan, and the UAE signed today in Dubai a historic deal, quote unquote, electricity for water. U.S. climate change envoy. John Kerry attended the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> and a boy, special K. That must have been painful. <laughs> is there anything else you want to be wrong on there, uh, oh, Secretary, or is that going to be it for the day? That's good. That's good, 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 good. It must be a terrible thing. You know, you, that, that's what your life's become. You're just like, I'm all like, right, fine. I'm going to do a tour of everything I've been wrong about. <laughs> Between him and Biden, I don't know who's got the... Just quit the... and go windsurfing, for God's sake. Come on, man. All right, so um, we, of course, celebrated Veterans Day, and um, it's a special holiday for uh, Americans, uh, veterans around the world, uh, around the, uh, who have served around the world, and uh, we just wanted to share some people's knowledge about this special <laughs> holiday. What are you doing to celebrate the holiday this week? I'm going back home to see some family and hang out with friends. You know what holiday I'm talking about? No, Christmas. Ah! Oh my God! Is it Thanksgiving? You call it Veterans Day, right? Who did America fight in the Revolutionary War? The British. <laughs> I'm really bad at history. I blocked my ears during that class. Spain? Canada. Not Canada. Who won the Civil War? The South? <laughs> Who won the Civil War? Um, the North. Nobody wins a war. Who bombed Pearl Harbor? Uh, uh, Who did America fight in World War II? It was a country. The Axis powers. Oh, goodness. I don't know. I checked out after World War One. Imperial Japan, Fascist Italy, and the Deutschland, folks. <laughs> Germany. That's right. Why do you think they called it the Cold War? Because it was somewhere that was cold. <laughs> it's funny, but it's, uh, it's funny. Man on the street. Our, our man Waters. Person on the street. Man on the street. I think he still calls himself a man. Well, so. he's interviewing 
people on the street. It. <laughs> can you make this stuff up? I'm not sure you can. I'm not sure I'm you not can sure either. You can. Now I have got to. We got to wrap this up because I got to go. I got to go home. Okay. You told. So do you have anything? I do. I have just. A, I have a couple. I have just a couple of things. I want to. I want to. Um. I want to say real quick, right? Yeah, man. One is one is the Senate race in Pennsylvania just got live, right? Sean Parnell dropped, and um, and that means the Republicans now don't have a nominee. Essentially, um, I anticipate lots of people are going to want to get into it, right? Um, it's going to be a romper room. Um, the important thing about that, apart from the fact that it's going to be a romper room, is President endorsed him, right? It shows you that his his um. His team needs to work a little bit on the endorsement thing, right? This child custody thing's been hanging out there for a while. They did it. They shouldn't have done it. Has he endorsed Herschel yet? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine, which is fine because all that stuff is known, right? It's fine as long as you know it, right? Um, The fact that that this custody thing was hanging out there and could possibly pop him and did pop him should have made him hold on for a second. This is the kind of thing that's going to happen in this cycle. He's going to endorse people who are going to lose. He's going to endorse people who are going to drop out. It minimizes his power and authority, and I don't understand why his team has him do this. This is this is not helpful. This is not smart. Um, so that's thing one. Thing two is, uh, on a slightly larger scale, you're about to play something, um, which I totally endorse. I want to say thank you to a guy named Richard Warren. Richard uh, was a um, failed English a businessman, failed London businessman, no doubt fleeing from debtor's prison when he got on the Mayflower in um, in what is now the Netherlands in 1620, I guess. Um, he um, survived until 1628. His wife and five kids stayed home in England for the first five, uh, first two, three years of the of the um, Plymouth colony. Um, when she arrived, they had two more. Kids survived, lived long, healthy lives, and had big children, had big families. About 40% of the Mayflower descendants are descended from Richard Warren, including the guy who founded Harvard Medical School, Joe Warren. The Roosevelts, U.S. Grant, Alan Shepard, right? Um, guys like that. Um, and me. And I am very grateful for Richard Warren because had he not um, hung on on the eastern edge of this continent in those first couple of very difficult years, I would not be here. And so on this Thanksgiving, I want to first off thank God for uh, making me an American. And I want to thank God for all my friends, most of whom listen to this. And I want to thank God for um, Tom Pyle. And I also want to thank God for all the bad stuff that happened um, to me because it all has made me what I am. So thank you for giving me well, that time. I well appreciate spoken, that. Well spoken, well said, and except for the part that I did not join him on that journey, I came over on a different boat. That's that my okay. ancestors That's came great. over on a different boat. It's all great. A little bit later. It's all um, great. Anyways, we do want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. I am grateful for everything that we have, everything that we've done, everything that God has given us. We also want to say that if you want to thank us for the podcast. Um, hit us a review, man. Give us a review. Hit like, whatever the appropriate, whatever the subscribe, appropriate. Leave subscribe, leave a rating, right. share with your friends. At some point, we promise we're going to market this thing. <laughs> so our producer will get off our backs. Right. But in the meantime. In the meantime. Happy Thanksgiving. Before we're served, shouldn't we say grace?
1621, pilgrims held their first Thanksgiving feast. They invited the great Indian chief, Massasoit, who brought 90 of his brave Indians and a great abundance of food. Governor William Bradford and Captain Miles Standish were honored guests. Elder William Brewster, who was a minister, said a prayer that went something like this. We thank God for our homes and our food and our safety in a new land. We thank God for the opportunity to create a new world with freedom and justice. Amen. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey.